So we're in a new teaching series on strengthening your heart. I heard, I heard an illustration earlier this uh, week about faith. And uh, I liked it because it had to do with fishing. With fi- when you're fishing, the first thing you have to do is you have to believe that there's fish in the water. Right? Because if, if you don't believe that there's fish in the water, you're, you're not going to go fishing. Right? And when you go fishing, you have to know what you're fishing for because some, some fishing instrument, tackle, isn't sufficient for what you're trying to catch, trying to receive. Because with fly fishing, it goes by weight. You, you got two weight, three weight, four weight, five weight, six weight, all the way up to 12, 12 weight rods, right? And it has corresponding line for that, those rods, reels for, the, for those rods. And it all depends on what type of spe- species of fish that you're trying to catch is what rod you use. Because if you're just catching small brook trout, you just need a nice little light line. But if you're going to go out and catch salmon or steelhead in the river, you need something with backbone. You need an a line that, that is 16-pound test, something that's not going to break once you get a hold of that, and something that's not going to fatigue the fight rather than fatigue you as you're fishing. I mean, can you imagine going out deep-sea fishing for a 200-pound tuna and pulling out a little Snoopy rod? And that's a lot like it is with faith. God has provided everything by his grace. We have to appropriate what he's provided with faith. We have to take what's in the ocean, in the spirit realm that's been provided, that God's not holding anything back from you. All his promises are yes. He slapped a big old yes sticker on it. Take it. They're yes and amen in Christ Jesus. But if our hearts are not strengthened, there's a lot of times we can't get the promises of God into our boat. Because we get fatigued. We don't have the right rod and, 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 and it, it wear, the fight can wear us out. The, Fight the good fight of faith, right? You're fighting against this fallen world with faith in what Jesus Christ has done. You need the right rod. You need, sometimes you hook onto something, you got the Snoopy rod, and the thing blows up in your... So we have to understand that, that just like the children of Israel, when they went into the promised land, God says, look, it's all yours. I have given it to you. I've given you homes you haven't built. I've given you vineyards you haven't planted. It's a place of flowing with milk and honey. It's all yours. But what did they have to do? They had to believe that God provided it for them, and they had to go in and fight and t- take, take it from the enemy of God. And it's no different now. You have an enemy. I know we don't like to talk about Satan in, in our intellectual, scientific generations that we, we're living in, 
But we have an enemy. We have someone that's trying to rob, he's trying to kill, he's trying to destroy. And on top of that, the, whole, the fallen Adamic nature that surrounds us every day, that is anti-Christ every day, against the things of God every day, you're battling against them. And it co- can cause you to be weak in your heart. Jesus talked about it, right? He, 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 he talked about why couldn't we cast the demon out? Because of your unbelief. Right? Unbelief is something that contaminates your fishing rod. It said about Abraham that he was strong in faith. So you can be strong in faith. See, it's not about having more faith. It's just about being in faith. James says that a double-minded man shouldn't expect to receive anything. See, it's, we have the faith of Christ in our spirits, but we need to tap into it. We need to believe it. We can't allow our faith to be contaminated with the things, the things of the world. Amen? So this is important, and I hope you've seen it last week, how important it is to realize that you need to strengthen your heart, the inner man. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 in the Amplified Version, It says, if you lay all these instructions before the brethren, you will be a worthy steward and a good minister of Christ Jesus, ever nourishing your own self on the truths of the faith of of the good Christian instruction which you have closely followed. Nourishing yourself on the truths of the faith. Verse 7, but refuse and avoid irreverent legends, profane and impure and godless fictions, mere grandmother's tales and silly myths, and express your disapproval of them. Train yourself towards godliness, keeping yourself spiritually fit. Whose responsibility is it to nourish ourselves? Whose responsibility is it to train ourselves? Whose responsibility is it to keep ourselves spiritually fit? It's ours. It's ours. Verse 8. For physical training is of some value, useful for a little, but godliness, spiritual training, is useful and of value in everything and in every way, for it holds Promise for the present life and also for the life which is to come. This saying is reliable and worthy of complete acceptance by everyone. Spiritual fit. To be spiritual fit. Are you spiritually fit? See, to be spiritual fit, we've seen that you have to have nourishment and you have to have spiritual exercise, spiritual training. And it's interesting that the same two things are the same two things that are important for physical fitness. For physical fitness, you need what? You need to eat right, and you have to have exercise. You have to train yourself. And this same thing that trains and defines your exterior body, your physical body, is what builds and strengthens the inner, the inner man. It's what strengthens your heart. It's what gets you spiritually strong. Today we're going to look at the nourishment side side of this. 
Did you know that you can eat spiritually? You can eat spiritually just like you can eat physically. See, and a lot of people don't know this. A lot of people don't know that you need to eat physically. It's not just something that you do when you feel like it. It's, it's, it's a necessity or you'll die spiritually. You will die spiritually. Most people don't even know that they're a spirit, first of all. We talked about this last week. Most people don't even know that they're a spirit. It's like someone coming up to me and said, Chad, did you feed your dog today? And I said, that's crazy. I don't have a dog. Yes, you do. You got a dog. No, I, I don't have no dog. And then I go out in the backyard, and there's my dog. All skin and bones, almost dead. I haven't been feeding my dog. Why didn't you feed your dog, Chad? We're going to call Peter on you. Why, why didn't you call, feed your dog? Because I didn't know I had a dog. And a lot of people don't know that they have a dog. They don't know that they have a spirit. And you're thinking to yourself, Chad, that's just stupid. That's stupid to not know you didn't have a dog and not feed it. Well, it's even more foolish to not know that you're a spirit and not to feed it. You are a spirit, and you need to feed your spirit. Because we feed everything. We, we feed ourselves, don't we? We feed our kids. We feed the hungry. We feed the world. We feed everything. But according to Timothy, what Paul wrote to Timothy, it's more important to feed your spirit. It's more important to feed your spirit. Maybe, maybe, maybe the ills of this world is because we've spent more time feeding our flesh than we have feeding our spirit. Maybe if we fed our spirit, that would end a lot of the things that cause such turmoil in the world. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Look at this. In 1 Peter 2, 2 Desire God's pure word. As newborn babies desire milk, then you will grow in your salvation. As we continue in Jeremiah 15, 16, Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became for me a joy and a delight of my heart. God's word produces joy and delight in your heart, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Job 23.12, I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than necessary food. Do we, do we treasure the word of God above necessary physical food? I mean, just, these are just a few examples. There's many more scriptures I could go through. And I think just from these scriptures here alone, you can see. You can see that nourishment is important for your heart. You can nourish your heart, your inner man. And that that food, the nourishment for that inner man is what? It's the Word of God. The Word of God is what brings nourishment to your heart. The Word of God is to your heart what bread, meat, and vegetables are to your flesh. If you are really hungry physically, it's good to get a good meal, isn't it? But the problem is, is most of us have, haven't been hungry in years. Right? You remember the last time you were hungry? 
I'm not talking about the last time you wanted something to eat. I'm talking about the last time you were actually physically hungry. If you can remember, which I can't really remember when the last time I was actually hungry. If you can remember, your body did things that caused you to think, realize that you need something to eat. Your stomach starts growling. It starts turning and growling. You might feel fatigued, might get a little dizzy. You realize that I need to get something to eat. I'm hungry. Just like our body desires nourishment when it's hungry, do you realize that your spirit desires nourishment when it's hungry? So a lot of people go through life trying to satisfy their, their a desire that's in them, and they can't find it. And they, and they go to all these different things that the world offers, and nothing seems to satisfy. It has pleasure for a season, but then it just leaves them dissatisfied. It's because your spirit is hungry. It's hungry for the things of God. You have a healthy appetite. Do you know that when you have a healthy appetite, it's a sign that you're healthy? When you have a big appetite, it's a sign that you're healthy. Because when you become, when you lose your appetite, that's a sign that there's something wrong in your body. Right? When you, what happens when people get sick? They stop eating. So just like in your physical body, when you have a healthy appetite, when you're hungry, that's a good sign. Because that shows that everything's working right. It's the same way in the spirit. If you don't have a healthy appetite in the things of God, it's a sign that you are unhealthy. Your heart is unhealthy. Your inner man is unhealthy. If you don't want to read your Bible, if you don't want to hear good teaching, that's a sign of a poor spiritual condition. And you know, me, I've, I've talked about you don't have to make God happy with you. You don't have to read your Bible. It's not about praying all the time. It's not about, it's, you don't have to do these things. You get to do these things. Sometimes I think when I talk about the grace of God and, and how we don't have to do these things to make God satisfied with us, that some people interpret that as they're not important. They are important. They're important because it is what builds up your inner man. It's what renews your mind. It's what strengthens you. It's what brings joy. It brings, it brings fulfillment in you. It makes you strong. It makes you strong inside. We, I go to conferences. And when I go to a conference, me and Amanda, we're, we're there three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon, and three hours at night. Nine hours for a full week of nothing but church. And a lot of people would say, that does not sound like fun to me. And I'm not trying to condemn anybody. But if that does not sound fun to you, you have a weak spirit. You're not hungry for the things of God. I can remember a vacation we took years ago. It was back when my parents had a cabin up in Munising, Amanda and the kids, and it's a, about a six-hour drive up there, eight hours. And uh, when we got there, everybody was going to take, take a nap. 
And the Spirit of the Lord just said, while they're taking a nap, you spend some time with me. And I, and I thought to myself, I don't want to. <laughs> this is one of the times that I was obedient. And while they all took a nap, I can remember there, there was a teaching series by Kenneth Copeland called Don't Stress Out, Trust God. And I, and I put that on, and I, and I got my Bible out, got my notebook, and just sat there and ate. Just like I was at church, just doing a study. And by the time I got through the study, everybody woke up, and I was energized. I was ready to go. I felt better than if I would have taken a nap. See, your flesh will, will lie to you. Your flesh will, will, will tell you things that's not true. And that's why every man's a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. Sometimes you're that man that's lying to yourself. God's ways always work. It always works. We're the ones that, that mess up. We're the ones that miss out. So we need to have a healthy, we need to have a healthy appetite. We need to be hungry for the Bible. We need to be hungry for good, good teaching. And when we're not, that's a poor, poor spiritual condition. And the good news, the good news whether it comes to God's word, when it comes to eating spiritually, is you can be a glutton. You can eat all you want and only get positive results. You can just pig out. You can buffet. You know what buffet means? Buffet means to hit over and over and over again. So when you go to that buffet, you're buffeting it. You're going up over and over and over again. You can buffet God's word all you want. Amen? But it has positive, it has positive effects. In Acts chapter 20, verse 32, it says, And now I command, commend you... I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. He, he, Paul is saying, I'm, I'm turning you over. I'm turning you over to God and the word of his grace, who is able to build you up. So we've seen two phrases so far that had to do with spiritual conditioning. Spiritual nourishment. We've seen in Timothy, we've seen what? We've seen the word of, his, of faith. And here we see the word of his grace. Hmm, that's pretty familiar. Grace and faith. We are saved by grace through faith. Grace and faith. Do you know that you can feed yourself the word and it not be in grace? Do you know you can feed yourself the word and it not be in faith? Do you know that? And if it's not in grace and faith, then it's not going to nourish your heart. See, the whole Bible needs to be consumed. It needs to be interpreted, interpreted in grace through faith. Do you know you, you can take, take the Bible and serve it up with condemnation and death? You know, you take the Word of God and just bring condemnation, you can bring death, right? Where you leave, people leave, and they feel weak, they feel unequipped, they feel like just shaking their heads. 
It didn't nourish. It didn't edify. It didn't build up. It didn't strengthen. So it not only is it important that we receive and eat of the Word of God, but how it's served to us is important. How it's served to us is important. Did you know that you can preach a bunch of hype and it's just a bunch of empty calories? It doesn't create change. It doesn't create faith. It's not based in His grace. That it, that it that really doesn't do anything for you spiritually. It might get you pumped up for a little bit, but it has no long-lasting effect on your spirit. See, it's the Bible, but it's not going to nourish you, and it's not going to strengthen you because the words of grace, because it does not have words of grace and it does not have words of faith. And I'm not talking about teaching on the subject of grace and faith. It's like we talked about lenses. It's how we see, interpret the Bible, how we interpret God, how we interpret ourselves, how we see ourselves. We see ourselves in the grace of God and in the faith in that grace. In what God has done through Jesus Christ and our response to what he has done in Jesus Christ. We are a church that's just not a grace church. We're not, we're not just a faith church. We are grace and faith. You guys have been going through that study, the balance of grace and faith. Right? This is good. Good, good preaching, Chad. See, and because people don't receive it in grace and faith, they're not receiving the grace of God and then realizing that they have to apply their faith to it that's why so many people don't grow. That's why so many people don't go, grow. That's why people can be in church for decades and not grow. See, with, with a, if you don't eat right as you're growing up physically, it can have effects on you physically. Right? And the same thing is spiritually. As you're growing up in Christ spiritually, just because you've been... A Christian for years doesn't necessarily mean that you have matured and you're strong in the Lord. People can hear the word and not be nourished by it because of the way it's served. It's missing the vital, vital vitamins of grace and faith. You can be saved for 40 years and still be immature and weak. Look at Hebrews 5. In Hebrews 5, chapter 11, it says, Concerning him we have much to say. And what he's talking about here, he was talking about Melchizedek. He's an Old Testament character um, in the Bible that Abraham ran across. And he's talking about Jesus. And he was talking about how these interesting things, how Melchizedek, some people think that it was actually Jesus meeting um, pre pre-incarnate Jesus meeting Abraham. Some people say that he was just a, phys- a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. He was, the, um, he was a king and priest, which Jesus was. He was the king of Salem, which means the king of peace. So he says, about this, this dude, Melchizedek, I, we have a lot to say about it. We have much to say. And it is hard to explain. 
since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone else to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. So he's talking to, these, to the Hebrews and he's saying, we got a lot to talk about. But we can't even talk about it because you become dull of hearing because you're not strong. By this time, you should be teaching the things of God, and you still need someone to teach you. You should be eating solid food, but you still need milk. There, there comes a time when you grow up in the Lord where hopefully you don't need me to feed you, that you're feeding yourself. See, what happens is... is when, uh, when you get a teaching or a preaching, you are receiving something that someone else has already consumed. And there's nothing better. There's nothing better than getting into the Word of God and consuming it yourself. And some of you might be thinking, well, Chad, I've, I've read the Bible before. I've tried to read it, and I just don't get it. You're not hearing me. Do you understand how food changes into energy, which changes into strength in your body? No, you don't understand that. Do you stop eating because you don't know how the food is strengthening your body? I don't get it. I don't get it, Chad, so I'm not going to eat no more. No, you do it. Same way with the Bible. You get in the Word of God and trust that God will teach you. Trust that God will train you. Trust that God is doing the strengthening in you. But you have to have the faith. You have to have the faith to do it. I mean, the Bible is one of the biggest things of grace that God has given mankind. To think of all the things that the Word of God had to do to get to hear. How many times it was try, it's been tried to be destroyed, taken away, locked up in monasteries, locked up in ancient languages, this is God's grace that it's even in our, in our midst. And we can consume it. And when we can consume it, it strengthens us. It strengthens us. There's nothing wrong with good preaching and good teaching and reading good books and all, spiritual books and stuff like that. That's, that's like supplements, vitamins, right? Steroids. Make you big and strong. Just pop a couple steroids. But it doesn't. It doesn't. Negate the need to just eat daily yourself. To eat da daily yourself. So where am I? Did I read this whole thing? Yeah. Okay. Verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. For he is an infant, but solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. And we're, we're, we're going to come back to that, having your senses trained for good and evil. And I'll just give you a little tidbit. You, know, you ever watch the Food Network? Food Network? I mean, there's some chefs that they can taste a, a, a food that has is, is been cooked, and they can tell you all the ingredients that's in that food. You know, you ever watch these wine experts when 
and they spit it out, and, and then they tell you, oh, this has a, a uh, oaky peach aftertones. I don't know. I never drank wine to, for the peachy aftertones. But same thing with coffee. People can tell you the origin. They can tell you where it's from just by drinking it. They have trained their senses. And in the same way, we can train our spiritual senses. We can taste. We can know if this, if this food that I'm receiving, if it's good or if it's spoiled. This, this is a little rotten. <laughs> I mean, the first thing, is it, is it in grace and faith? Is it getting you to look nasal gave at yourself or to look to Jesus? He says that they should be at the point. So we're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. He says that we should be at the point of teaching others, but we still need to be taught. They are still infants and have not matured. And you're thinking, Chad, I can't ever see myself teaching You know why? Because you're seeing yourself in the flesh and not in Christ. You're limiting God. You're limiting God. I can tell you, this church would have never started if I thought that I had to do it in my own ability. A lot of people don't realize this, but for the first couple months of, of preaching, I'd throw up before I got up here. Because you, you can't do this in your, in your flesh. You can't sit up here and talk for 45 minutes, hour, hour and a half. What are we doing today? What? You can't do that. Something new every single week. Something fresh every single week. If I had to think to myself, it's all up to me. Oh, I'd be a wreck. It, I'd be a wreck. But it's not of me. I have to apply faith to the grace of God that's working in my life, just like you do. And I'm telling you, God wants you to be teachers of the Word of God. We've just seen that in our last, in our last series. He wants you to be teachers in your own home. He wants you to be discipling your own children. That's a great place to start. You can be 30 years in the Lord and still be a baby and not grow up. I'm sure you guys have met those people that they're filled with a lot of self-righteousness because they've been in the church for a very long time, but it doesn't seem like they're filled with a lot of Jesus. That they're not, they don't look like Jesus. As we mature, you you know what the maturity looks like? Jesus. It looks like the fruit of the Spirit being manifest in our life. You will know them by their fruits. Have you ever had your, your spirit fed? Have you ever had your spirit fed? Because you know it. You know it when, you, when your spirit's fed. Because all of a sudden there's a new energy in you. There's faith in you. You get, you get excited when your spirit's fed. You, you think, I can do this. 
This is true. I remember my, my Christian life, I, I, I'm a, I always joke about being a spiritual mutt. I've been a, a little bit of everything. We grew up in the Methodist, the Methodist church, and my parents sat home at the same time and watched 700 Club and Kenneth Copeland on the TV. And when I came back into the church, I grew. I grew in, in the Methodist church. And nothing against the Methodist church. That's nothing against those people. If it wasn't for that pe- those people, it wasn't for that church, it wasn't for what they did, I wouldn't be here today. I remember Pastor Max, he's retired now. I probably should have sent him a letter when I... But he was one of the, he was one of the people in my life in those early ages that actually... I thought, he believes it. He believes what he's saying. And, uh, well, anyways, I'm going to get all emotional now. But there comes a time, there, come, there came a time where I was hungry, and I just kept eating and eating and eating. And I, I got to a place where I wasn't being nourished. So I had to go find somewhere else to be nourished, to be nourished. And then I ended up at the Church of God, and 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 Pastor Pastor Mike there, and and uh, uh, Pastor Bruce, he was at the Methodist Church, and ended up there too, and and we just continued to, to grow. And you continue to grow, and there comes there, there comes a there comes a point where there comes there might come a point where you outgrow this church. Where you're not getting spiritually fed. There's two things that you can do when, you, when, when it seems like I'm not getting the nu- nutrition that I need. There's two things you can do. You can go find another church that is going to feed you and get you nourished up in the Lord. Or if the church has an opportunity for you to now teach and lead and teach others. Right? Right? Hopefully, as we all start growing up, there's opportunities for us to be teachers within Cares New Testament Church, to, to have a small group, to, to, conti- to continue to feed yourself. And I, and I pray that I'm always one of those leaders that, that is not um, worried about other people stealing the limelight. Not, what is that called? When, uh, insecure. I pray that I'm not an insecure leader. That I, that I try to equip you and let you become everything that God has called you to be in Christ Jesus. Amen? If, there, if, there, if God speaks to me and there's someone better to do this, I pray that I, I have the humility to step down and let someone else lead this body. But you need to eat. You need to grow. I remember coming across across teaching tapes. I remember coming across books that fed my spirit. Fed my spirit. And you're thinking, what do you mean fed, fed your spirit? I mean people that actually look like the book of Acts. We need to look like the book of Acts. And, you're th- and, 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 and the church makes excuses. We say stuff like, well, you know, you don't want to be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. 
And we forget about the men and women that were so heavily minded that they transformed the world. Smith Wigglesworth. See, this is all start part of building your, your spirit. I don't know if I'm going to get to all this. But you need to read testimonies of men and women that went before us. I got videos you can watch on God's generals, on men and women that raised the dead. And you're saying, I don't, I don't believe that. Well, I'm sorry. You're a doubter. I'm a believer. I don't want to get you mad at me, but I believe it. It's happening today. Smith Wigglesworth, uh, Lester Summerall showed up at Smith Wigglesworth's house. And we, if you know who Lester Summerall, he's a mighty man of faith himself. He showed up to his house, and, and he wanted to come in. And Smith Wigglesworth told him, yeah, you can come in, but that's got to stay out here. And he had a newspaper under his hand. I don't allow that into my home. Smith Wigglesworth was the man, and I, I'm not... He, 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 they asked him, how, how often do you pray? And, and he goes, I, I very seldom ever pray over 15 minutes. And he says, but I never go 15 minutes without praying. He said that you'd be having a meal with Smith, Smith Wigglesworth. He'd stop the meal and, 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 and pray right during the meal. He says, very seldom did you ever eat a warm meal with Smith Wigglesworth. But he wouldn't allow the newspaper into his home. And you think, well, that's a little extreme. Well, you want that 200-pound tuna in your boat? You want to see the dead raised? I mean, truthfully, think about this. If your spirit, if, if, if you do not desire to see God do a miracle in your life or use you to do a miracle in someone else's life, you have a weak spirit. If you don't desire, if there's no desire in you to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, that's the heart of God. That's what Jesus did. He was moved by compassion. He, we have a weak spirit. And why do we have a weak spirit? Not because that's, that's impossible. There's no way I can do that. It's because, again, we're looking at ourselves and not at Christ in us, the hope of glory. I'm getting off on a bunch of stuff, and I was supposed to be quick today. But you've got to grow. I remember finding, finding these teachings. And, it, and what I first found was the teaching on faith. Our part. The word of faith. The faith movement. All of this stuff that we can believe God and see things happen. And I was nourishing myself and nourishing myself on this. And it was missing something because I found myself being totally dependent on myself. If I could be good enough, then I could make, make God do things. If I could pray enough, if I could believe enough, if I could do this, 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 enough, 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 then I could have my prayers answered. And that leads to self-righteousness. It leads to self-examination. It leads to, to looking at yourself. But because I was hungry, I kept searching and hungering and thirsting for his righteousness. And I came across the teaching of grace and faith. 
where it's not about my perfection in the flesh. It's not about how much I read the Bible that day. It's not about all the things that I've done right or I've done wrong. It's about the finished work of Jesus. And how much do you trust, rely on, and put your trust and faith into what he has done? It made me a hundred times stronger. It nourished, nourished me. It brought me out of, a, out of a funk and depression. It's possible to hear Bible preaching and teaching for years and not grow. I mean, some people might think it's crazy when I, I'm going to, you go, I go to a conference. I'm going to... I drive to Cleveland. I, um, we drove to Grand Rapids, me and the kids once. Go up to Cal- Colorado. And they think, well, that's just nice. It's a nice trip. You're going to Colorado. You know, the first time I we went out there, yeah, it was nice, the scenery and stuff. But when you're nine hours a day in a building, you don't see a whole lot of it. Why? Why do that? I'm sh- can't you find little conferences around here? Because I want to be fed. I want to have grace and I want to have faith. I want to hear from men and I want to hear from women that are where we want to be. I drove a long ways for a physical meal. Two hours just to try a restaurant. And we know what happens to that food after we eat it. We should be hungering and thirsting and willing to go after good meals, good meals in the Lord. Look what Jesus says. This, this, these passages of scriptures we're going to read here is Jesus' most hated, unappreciated message he ever preached. When Jesus got done preaching this message, Every single one of his followers left him except the 12. And the 12 only left, didn't leave him because they had no place to go. Peter said, where are we going to go? Where else is the words of life? We don't know what the wor- in the world you're talking about, but we're going to trust that you have the words of life. So in John chapter 6, verse 32, Jesus says, Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, so whatever, whenever Jesus says truly, I'm telling you the truth, boys, you need to perk up your ears because he's about to say something that's going to be hard to believe. Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread of heaven. See, what, what happened was just the day before, just the day before, Jesus fed the 5,000. And ever, all these people came to find Jesus. They came to find Jesus, not because of who Jesus was, but because their needs were met. It was breakfast. It was breakfast, and I've got, I need something to eat, physical food. I need physical food. And they came, and they're talking to Jesus, and they're saying, you know, Moses provided bread for the children of Israel day by day. We don't want to have to worry about where we're going to get our bread. We just want to, it just be produced supernaturally day by day. Moses did it. Are, are you greater than Moses? Can't you provide bread for us? And he says, it wasn't Moses. 
It was your Father in heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. You see, they're thinking of physical bread still. They're not seeing the symbolic nature that this is a type and shadow. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who gives, who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sends me. The, the bread of life came down from heaven, and he's saying that I have come down from heaven, but you do not believe who I am. And those that come to me will never hunger. They will never thirst. Verse 39, this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Verse 41, Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. They were saying, Is, it, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph? whose father and mother we know, how does he now say that he came down out of heaven? So, So Jesus starts preaching that he's the bread of life. He came down from heaven, that God's his father, and those that believe in him, they will have eternal life, that they will be raised up from death. And they start grumbling. So what does Jesus say? Does he say, hey, guys, okay, I know you're having an issue with this, so I'll soften it up a little bit, all right? No, he, he, gets, he lays it down even stronger. Look what he goes on to say. In verse 43, Jesus answered and said to them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Verse 46, not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. So now is he not only saying that that bread from heaven is him, now he's saying that you need to eat his flesh. Verse 52 Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? They're thinking he's talking about cannibalism. 
So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. Jesus didn't worry. He didn't worry about them misunderstanding what he's saying. He just keeps on laying it out there stronger and stronger. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Verse 56. And he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven. Not as your fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Verse 59. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, but Jesus conscious that he, his disciples were grumbling at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit in our life. The words, the words, the words, the words that he spoke are spirit and they are life. Jesus is the word of God. The word of God became flesh and he dwelt among us. And Jesus says you need to eat. You need to eat of me. Everything you eat in the Bible has to be of me. You have to interpret. You have to see everything in the Bible pointing to me, pointing to what I have done. The, the prophecies saying of, uh, that I would come. The, the, the law that could not be com- completed in the flesh. The law that needed sacrifices. See me in the sacrifices. See me in, in the atoning sacrifices. See me. Eat Eat the word of God. It is spirit. It is life. Eat me, Jesus says, because I am the word of God that has come down from heaven. If you eat me, you will have life. If you eat me, you will have spirit. The word of grace and faith of Jesus Christ will produce a heart, an inner man that is full of life, that is full of life, that is nourished, that is strong, that is healthy. We are to eat daily from Jesus. We are to feed daily on his flesh. We are to drink daily of his blood. I mean, don't you eat daily physically? Don't you make sure that you eat daily physically? Your spirit is more important than you eating physically. So today I'm just going to ask you, how is your spiritual appetite? Are you hungry for the things of God? Are you hungry for God's word? Are you hungry for good teaching of grace and faith? Are you hungry for good books on on the things of God, those supplements that build and strengthen you? 
Are you hungry just to open up his word and, 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 and spend time with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and just allow him to nourish you and strengthen you? Do you believe that it will? There's so many ways we can eat from Jesus. We have podcasts. We have, we have CDs. We have books on tape. We have the Bible in your pocket. And not only that, most Bible apps on your, in your, on your phone will actually read it to you. You can plug it into the car. Well, I'm not a very good reader. Well, then hit the read along with, with the narrator. You can read right along with it. You can pause it. You can rewind it. It's amazing. We have, we're in the fast food in this age of, of the Word of God. <laughs> you can have it now. If there's a certain area that, you, that you're struggling with, you can, you can eat just on a certain food group. It's amazing. But are you hungry? Are you hungry for the things of God? Because if you're not hungry, that's an indication that you have a deficiency in your spirit. Your spirit is weak, and you have to get it built back up. I watch a show called Alone. Alone. They drop these men and women in the middle of the woods, and they're completely alone. And they don't know when they win. It's the last man that taps out. They're completely self-sufficient. They have to film themselves, everything, but they, but they have a fo- uh, satellite phone where they can tap out. So there's these people in the woods in desolate wilderness catching their own food, building their own fires, building their own shelter, doing all this, and the last one remaining wins five, $500,000. But you don't know how many is left. So you could be almost ready to tap out, and there's only two people left. And if you would have just lasted one more day. But anyways, we're talking about eating. In one of the episodes, this guy was doing great. He had smoked fish. He caught so many fish. He, he had smoked fish. And what they would do is they'd drop in every once in a while and do a routine medical, you know, I don't want no one to die out there, medical examination. And he had all this food stored up. But because he starved himself for so long, because he wasn't eating, he was becoming malnutrition to the point where his organs were starting to shut down and they had to pull him from the competition because he was starving to death and he had a whole bunch of food right there. He was crying. He was saying, I got food. I can eat. And they said, there's no way that you're going to be able to catch up. There's no way with, this, with, with what food you have. You need to get an IV in you. You get, need to get all this stuff in you. He didn't even realize he was starving. So he was just storing things away. And that's what happens. When your body gets to a certain point of not eating You have no appetite. You don't realize you're not even hungry. You're dying and you don't even know it. And a lot of people are dying spiritually. And they don't even know it because they have no spiritual appetite. They just don't think, well, I'm not like Chad. I don't don't really, you know, I I believe in God and everything. But there's no way I'm going to spend nine hours of my vacation time going to a conference a day. Nine hours a day. 
we have all the food that we could ever want to consume. But if you do not have an appetite for the things of God, and I'm saying this in love because I believe this. I believe this is going to change your life. I believe that it's going to strengthen you. I believe that this is the answer. And if you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, man, I don't have that big of an appetite when it comes to the things of God. Right now I'm thinking, is he about done? I say this with love. Your spirit is weak. And you need to start eating. You need to force yourself to eat. You need to force yourself to eat. And as you force yourself to eat, you know what's going to happen? You're going to create an appetite. And pretty soon, you don't have to force yourself anymore. And pretty soon, you want more and more and more. Amen? Spiritual appetite. Are, are you hungry? How's your spiritual appetite? This is the answer. I believe it with all my heart. And I say it with love. Eat. You need to eat. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.